This episode of Tech News Day is sponsored by Factor and by Babbel. Facebook, Meta, whatever you call it these days, it's a wonderful company to see fail. Yeah, where everyone gets to cheer it on. We love Meta slash Facebook when they fail. Mm-hmm. Mark Zuckerberg didn't invent social media. He merely piggybacked off existing sites like MySpace and Friendster. But he was a lot more ambitious in his goals and largely succeeded at making Facebook the Internet's front page for hundreds of millions of people, uh, completely poisoning their minds in the process, by Mm -hmm. the way. But he made a lot of money. And as Facebook's user growth has stalled in recent years, he's had to branch out from his core product to chase after that infinite growth. All those billionaires, they just crave. Yeah. I need my infinite growth, and I need it now. Uh, The biggest example of this diversification was changing the company's name to Meta and focusing the company's business on building a so-called Metaverse, which, rather than looking like the next big thing in tech, looks mostly like a shittier version of existing products that have been around since long before the word Metaverse was even a buzzy word. Before all this metaverse BS, though, Facebook's biggest attempt at branching out was a little over 10 years ago when they bought out Instagram. And this was a shrewd business move since Instagram was starting to eat up Facebook's social media market share among the youths. Uh, and it, it's probably fair to say that while a lot of millennials and Zoomers have abandoned Facebook, they're still on Instagram. Yeah. In the decades since buying up Instagram, though, Snapchat was at least for a moment a threat to its market share. And after trying and failing to buy them out too, Facebook instead just chose to copy various parts of Snapchat and add them to Instagram as new features like stories and lenses. Uh, Snapchat's still around, but Instagram's active user base remains significantly larger thanks to this theft. But uh, <laughs> Look, I do like the feature. It's much. I like seeing the stories much more than scrolling endlessly and getting ads every two uh, yeah, things. Sure. So there, it's, I like it. But uh, how else will I see my friends' children grow up that live across the country? You could call them. I don't know. But uh, anyway, more recently, a new challenger appeared in the form of TikTok and Instagram's attempts to steal back TikTok's market share by focusing more on video haven't been so successful. This old trick, it's not working so good. Well, how unsuccessful are we talking, though? Uh The Wall Street Journal, who as of late has had a massive hard-on for undermining Facebook slash Meta through leaked internal documents, they published an article this week showing that despite Instagram's efforts to compete with TikTok by copying TikTok, it hasn't actually worked all that well. And mostly it's just been a huge waste of effort, which is extra funny when you consider how much this pivot to video has also alienated much of Instagram's core user base. Not Uh, getting the users you want, and you're losing the users you have. Yes. Yeah. You'll Hmm. love to see it. From their article. Instagram users cumulatively are spending 17.6 million hours a day watching Reels. Less than one-tenth of the 197.8 million hours TikTok users spend each day on that platform, according to a document reviewed by the Wall Street Journal that summarizes internal meta research. The document, titled... Creators X Reels State of the Union 2022 was published internally in August. It said that Reels engagement had been falling down 13.6% over the previous four weeks and that, quote, most Reels users have no engagement whatsoever. Yeah, (laughs) what you think? Uh, One reason is that Instagram has struggled to recruit people to make content. Roughly 11 million creators are on the platform in the U.S., but only about 2.3 million of them, or 20.7%, post on that platform each month, the document said. I I don't know what to tell them. Of course, people are going to be less interactive with something that they're just constantly scrolling through and watching and finishing. It's not intuitive. That's really what it comes down to. What are you going to click the thing for and, like, 
Okay, uh, whatever. And then it's not what it's designed for. Alongside that, they're offering hundreds, if not thousands, of dollars to users to please post reels. So that money, while it's great for the creator, isn't going to last forever because yeah. it's clearly not working. And it doesn't feel good to, you know, you're making money, but it's like, well, is anybody? It's like when we made that Samsung Milk show. It's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. They're paying us. Well, not us, but they're paying Machinima. <laughs> they're paying Machinima, uh, but which gave us job security. Literally, no one's watching it. Yeah. So it feels a little weird. A bit demoralizing. The problem is, uh, if you're a creator who has been uh, teased over with that kind of guaranteed revenue, when it dries up, uh, you're on a platform right, well, where it doesn't work. Yeah, that's exactly what Facebook <laughs> did to news organizations to, yeah. uh, over the past 10 years. Yeah. So, But here's a nice paragraph that summarizes why Instagram has been desperately trying to make Fetch happen. The shift to Reels has taken on urgency following a tough year for the social media company. In July, Meta reported its first ever decline in revenue, in part because changes made by Apple Inc. to the iPhone's operating system put a major dent in Meta's ability to deliver personalized ads. The company also has had trouble retaining teenage users attracted to competitors such as TikTok. As of Friday, Meta's market value had declined by more than $620 billion since peaking more than a year ago. That's a lot of money. Uh, yeah. That's that's a damn. That's a lot. And unsurprisingly, by trying to copy TikTok's short video format, a whole lot of the Reels content that is being posted to Instagram is literally just recycled TikTok content. Mm -hmm. The internal documents show that nearly one third of Reels videos are created on another platform, usually TikTok, and include a watermark or border identifying them as such. Meta said that it downranks these videos, meaning it shows them to smaller audiences to reduce the incentives for those that post them, but they continue to proliferate. For Reels users, the result is that often they are shown videos recycled from another more popular platform. And it's a lot of stolen content, too. There yeah. are accounts that it pop up constantly. I and mean, that's how Facebook video was, and I assume still is. Uh, Facebook, yeah. Facebook video is 50% uh, people just uh, preying on your inner sense of, like, uh, you know, you will wait to see the thing that you were promised, mm -hmm. yeah, and they are going to drag their feet doing, yeah. doing a craft project that results in not even what you were told you would get, but you just spent 10 minutes waiting for them to fucking do it. It's 50% that and 50% just like stolen videos. Uh, yeah, there's absolutely like bots that are made that just scrape like subreddits of yeah. The ones I've seen the most of are like mechanical, like soothing mechanical videos of like machines building things. My it's kind like, of shit right there. It's yeah. just constantly scraping and reposting yeah. that. So, um, yeah, that's that's a, a, another problem that's happening on on Instagram. But uh, clearly, the answer to this is the uh, is to incentivize creators to jump ship. And Instagram did announce last year that they were setting aside a billion dollars a year to pay creators. But TikTok has its own creator fund, and more importantly for creators, TikTok users actually want to watch videos. <laughs> and TikTok's algorithm actually puts those videos in front of people's eyes. The article quotes TikTok creator Landon Purifoy, who regularly posts videos across TikTok, YouTube Shorts, Snapchat Spotlight, and Instagram Reels. A recent video of his received millions of views on every platform, except Instagram, <laughs> where it got fewer than 100,000 views. Uh, he told the journal... Nobody's going to make original content for Instagram. It just doesn't make any sense. <laughs> and look, he's right. Yeah. And the reason that it doesn't make sense is pretty damn simple. Give me whatever salary you're paying the guy to tell you this is going to work, and I'll tell you why <laughs> it won't. Instagram, like Facebook before, it started out as a social network. And social networks are for following your friends. 
I mean, the scope of Instagram has grown a lot over the years. You, most people now follow some meme accounts, celebrities, companies they like, etc. But the core is still social. TikTok, on the other hand, is more like YouTube. It's not for following your friends. It's for following creators. It's for watching videos. People go on TikTok to see something new. And the algorithm is really, really good at showing them content from complete strangers that the viewer is probably going to be interested in. Yeah. Because they're data mining the shit out of their users. They have a profile on every single one of you and they know what you like. Yeah. You can't get away with that anymore, Facebook, though. You 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 used up all your credits yeah. for, for data mining and cheating and being, being shady. Now TikTok's doing it. Uh, so filling Instagram feeds with random video content from strangers to try to be more like TikTok has understandably annoyed much of Instagram's user base, including celebrity power users like the Kardashians, who have literally come out and told Instagram to stop trying to be TikTok. But anyways, some of the data that the article looked at includes results of user surveys that Instagram has done. And while user satisfaction has dropped quite a bit in the last few years, there's one survey question that the Wall Street Journal asked more info on. Uh, the company has also been polling users on a separate question that in many ways gets to the heart of the tech giant's current predicament. Would you say that Meta's best days are ahead of it or behind it? The company declined to disclose how users responded to that question. I wonder why would they do that? Uh, is I don't know. Is this the first time we've seen a company actually hit a wall when chasing infinite growth? Like, no. Meaning... meaning has a company been bigger with more users than Facebook ever? Oh, not that I can think of off the top of my head. Because it's free, and wherever you have internet, you can have access to it. And, and in a lot of cases, countries promoted it as a way to stay connected. And that also didn't end well in a very specific case. Right. So, yeah, I, don't, I mean... Because they didn't have regionalized content moderators? I mean, infinite growth is always going to be a myth. But like, especially with social media, it's like... It's not like Visa and MasterCard, which do the same thing and like offer slightly different perks or whatever. Like Facebook and Instagram are very distinct products and they appeal to people who have distinct wants and desires and TikTok and all these other like, so you can't just be like, oh, well, that TikTok's doing better. So we're going to change our product to appeal <laughs> to those users I mean, by doing something that our current users don't like. It happens. Because we're, we're flatlining, we're not gaining users. So in order to do that, we're going to, yeah, it's, it's. I don't know. I watch way too many History Channel shows about uh, business at, at wars with each other. Yeah. They do this shit all the time. Yeah. Yeah. New Coke all over again. New Coke. <laughs> New Coke, I still believe that uh, it was just a trick. It was a it was a buffer period between sugar and corn syrup. That, yeah, yeah. Because if they had switched out the, the sugar for corn syrup, people would have noticed right away. Mm -hmm. But they had like a couple months with New Coke in the middle. People are like, God, this is terrible. I, I miss the old Coke. I miss the old Coke. And they're like, oh, okay, well, here you go. And they're like, nah, yeah, corn syrup yeah, I'm pretty sure that's how Coke used to taste. <laughs> All right, cool. Thanks. <laughs> like, I'm satisfied. Yeah. Yeah. But um, I'm hungry for some reason. <laughs> but yeah, it's just this is on a much, I guess, bigger and uh, weirder scale to be watching live as it happens. So, look, I hate the company. If If... Facebook or whatever meta going down and not exist anymore meant that Instagram also did not exist, I would be completely content with that. Yeah. 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 Anyways, meta is not the only social media company in a little bit of trouble right now. Twitter is dealing with problems left and right. There's a whole lawsuit around Elon Musk agreeing to uh, buy the company and then backing out of the deal. There's the whistleblower report from a former executive who alleges all sorts of incompetence at the company. And, um, 
Uh-oh! On top of all that, the recent heat wave in California took one of Twitter's data centers offline for several days, putting Twitter's data in a non-redundant state where another outage anywhere else in Twitter's U.S. network would have brought down the entire service. Cool. I love climate change. But it didn't happen! Lesson learned. Yeah, so the news about this outage came via an internal memo leaked to CNN, and the timing could not have been worse, considering one of the many whistleblower allegations from former head of security Peter Mudge Zatko was that Twitter lacks sufficient data center redundancy and could easily be taken completely offline by a small number of data center outages. Uh, and based on this internal memo, it sounds like Mudge was right about that. And this week, Mudge, he, te- he went down to Washington. Mr. Mudge goes to Washington. Yeah. He testified before the Senate Judiciary Committee with uh, some more dirt on Twitter, a lot of which is pretty scandalous. First off, the redacted version of the whistleblower report released last month mentioned that Twitter was warned by the U.S. government that there was one or more foreign spies working at Twitter, one of whom worked in India. And at the hearing, Mudge told the panel that another one of these spies was an agent of China's main intelligence agency, MSS, and that this was especially bad since Twitter's engineers have broad access to Twitter's company data, and this access is not closely monitored or tracked. Oops. Yeah, it just sounds like there's thousands of people that can just uh, destroy this company if they wanted to at mm-hmm. any given moment. And there'd be like no way. Be like, okay, which one of you 4,000 people uh, destroyed the company? Come on. Yeah. Tell us. I mean, we'll check the logs. <laughs> we have those, right? Oh, we don't. All well, right. In the well, meantime, like... I'm going to close my eyes and whoever uh, put the company back together. It's it's all the way down, too, to the people who are just like, yeah, here's the info, CNN. Like, just doesn't doesn't even matter, doesn't even care. No loyalty among thieves. (laughs) Uh, Anyway, Mudge also alleged at the hearing that every week there are thousands of unsuccessful attempts at logging into Twitter's internal systems, and that Twitter's current CEO, Parag Agarwal, did not assign anyone to diagnose or fix the issue when he was chief technology officer. And as for why spies and hackers would want Twitter's internal data, uh, Mudge described exactly what that data includes. Here's TechCrunch. He said among the data Twitter collects includes a user's phone number, the current and past IP addresses that that user is connecting from, current and past email addresses, the person's approximate location based on IP addresses, and information about the person's device or browser they are accessing Twitter from, such as the make and model and user's language. Mudge said it was possible that engineers had access to this information and would be an attractive target for foreign intelligence agencies. One of the reasons he cited was that it would be helpful for governments to target particular groups and keep tabs on what Twitter knows about their agents or information operations. So not great. No! But meanwhile, the deal between Elon Musk and Twitter is still technically on the table, even if the table itself is shattered into a million pieces and also on fire. Uh, A lawsuit next month will decide exactly what happens with all this and... Very exciting. Yes. It's going to be a real October to remember. (laughs) But uh, meanwhile, Twitter's shareholders still went ahead with their official vote on whether to approve the deal, and they approved it. Yes, especially (laughs) like just reading that last story and being like, you know what? This sale at, what was it? $44, $45 billion? $54.20 per share. Yeah. uh, $44 billion total. I think that we approve that. Yeah. Thanks. That sounds great. Uh Uh-huh. Did you Uh, happen to read this latest report? No. Uh, We just are... We assume it's terrible, so let's let's get this deal going. But yeah, it's not hard to understand why all the shareholders would overwhelmingly vote in favor of this deal, um, you know, considering the terms of the original deal. Back in April, when the the stock market was uh, doing a lot better overall than it is now. Yeah, it was bad at the time, but not uh, as bad as it has been. Uh, But the the terms back then was that Elon would buy out every Twitter shareholder's shares for $54.20 per share, which even at the time was a little bit high. 
But I guess they were, you know, you got to sweeten the deal. The deal. Yeah. But this week, the stock price has been hovering around $41, meaning that Twitter shareholders stand to make an immediate 30% profit if the deal goes through, even if the odds of that actually happening at this point are a complete mystery. I just love... If this works out, they're making, they're going home with bank. When I saw this headline, I was like, yeah, of course you fucking approve it. <laughs> like, are you kidding me? That would be so funny. Take if they're these like, shares off my hands. Yeah, actually, no, we're going to, we're going to fight so that we can keep control of the company and uh, we're just going to... No, of course they're going to take the easy way out at this point. Take this away from me. Breaking news. Yeah, take take these chains out of out <laughs> my, around my neck. These golden chains. Uh, yeah, speaking of user data and just how valuable it is in the wrong hands, we do have some news coming up about how shockingly easy it is for cops to track people's phones without a warrant. Uh, but first, let's talk about uh, the sponsors for today's episode that make it happen. And that, of course, is Factor. What do you think of when you think of fall? If what comes to mind for you is a packed schedule, Good news. Factor's ready-to-eat meal delivery will keep you fueled up and feeling good no matter how crazy your days and nights get. Whether you need a quick lunch or a nutritious meal that's ready in minutes, Factor makes it easy and it's cheaper than takeout. That's a serious fall win. Factor is the perfect mealtime solution for an on-the-go lifestyle. They are fresh, never-frozen meals that are delivered ready to heat and eat in two minutes, so I can fuel up fast and get on with my day. Mm -hmm. Factor now offers 30 plus meals per week and 36 plus add-on options like smoothies, juices, snacks, and more to keep me going. No matter what's on my schedule, it's usually not much, but it keeps me going. I still walk into the kitchen and I say, Factor, fill me up. Fill me up, Factor. And it does. And it's cheaper than takeout, seriously. And also, thanks to their commitment to ingredients with integrity, <laughs> with integrity, you can actually yeah. feel good about what you're eating every day. When things get extra busy, fa Factor is, of course, flexible. Change your order up every week with plans from 4 to 18 meals per week, or pause or reschedule your deliveries at any time. Not only does Factor offer fast, simple solutions when I need them the most, they also help me stay on top of my goals when it's hard to carve out time. With offerings like Protein Plus and Keto, I can stay on track without a lot of extra work. Factor has endless options, however you like to eat. Choose from Keto, Calorie Smart, Vegan, Veggie, Protein Plus, and get chef-crafted, dietitian-approved recipes that you'll look forward to every time. Not only do Factor Meals save me time, they also keep me satisfied. Their chef-crafted recipes are packed with restaurant-quality flavor. It's so good, I almost can't believe it's dietitian approved They're awesome. Factor equals free time. Instead of spending those precious hours after you get home hustling around the store in the kitchen, they'll just deliver ready-made meals right to your door, eliminating all that meal planning, prep, and cleanup time. So head to go.factor75.com slash Newsday 130 and use code Newsday 130 to get $130 off across six boxes. That is code Newsday 130 at go.factor75.com slash Newsday 130 for $130 off. In the description below, there's links. Makes it easier. Thank you. And uh, this episode is also sponsored by Babbel. If you're like us, there's a foreign language that you regret not learning in school or not continuing to learn once school was out. But it's never too late to start with Babbel or pick up where you left off all those years ago. Babbel is the language learning app that sold more than 10 million subscriptions. And thanks to Babbel's addictively fun and easy bite-sized language lessons, you can finally cross learning that new language off your list. With Babbel, you only need 10 minutes to complete a lesson so you can start having real-life conversations in a new language in as little as three weeks. Other language learning apps use AI for their lesson plans, but Babbel lessons were created by over 150 language experts and voiced by real native speakers, not computers. Their teaching method has been scientifically proven to be effective. With Babbel, you can choose from 14 different languages, including Spanish, French, Italian, and German. Plus, 
Babbel's speech recognition technology helps you to improve your pronunciation and accent. There are so many ways to learn with Babbel. In addition to lessons, you can access podcasts, games, videos, stories, and even live classes. Plus, it comes with a 20-day money-back guarantee. Start your new language learning journey today with Babbel. And right now, you can get up to 55% off your subscription when you go to babbel.com newsday. That is babbel.com newsday for up to 55% off your subscription. Babbel, language for life. Okay, now for that news that we teased about how cops are just doing mass surveillance these days and how easy it is. Mm-hmm. And it's, very, it's quite simple, really. We've talked about this a bunch before, but all those apps on your phone are tracking you constantly and then selling that data for advertising purposes. And while they're tracking an anonymized advertising ID and not your actual identity, it's extremely easy to take that anonymized data and de-anonymize it. Uh, the raw data is... Millions of dots on a map. What do I do with all these dots? Mm -hmm. But whichever dot is spending its nights at, let's say, your home address and its days at, let's say, your workplace is probably you. And from there, they can see wherever the hell you are at any given time or Mm -hmm. have been for like the last three years. And this kind of thing's been known for a long time. But this is the first that we're hearing about a specific app that law enforcement agencies across the country are using for it. And it's a bit disturbing. Yeah. Uh, Here's the AP. Local law enforcement agencies from suburban Southern California to rural North Carolina have been using an obscure cell phone tracking tool, at times without search warrants, that gives them the power to follow people's movements months back in time, according to public records and internal emails obtained by the Associated Press. Police have used Fog Reveal to search hundreds of billions of records from 250 million mobile devices and harness the data to create location analyses known among law enforcement as patterns of life, according to thousands of pages of records about the company. Sold by Virginia-based Fog Data Science, LLC, Fog Reveal has been used since at least 2018 in criminal investigations ranging from the murder of a nurse in Arkansas to tracing the movements of a potential participant in the January 6th insurrection at the Capitol. The tool is rarely, if ever, mentioned in court records, something that defense attorneys say makes it harder for them to properly defend their clients in cases in which the technology was used. And look, it's, it's you know, easy to point at situations where this kind of tech has been used to successfully solve crimes and catch dangerous criminals and say, okay, well, what's the big deal then? I have nothing to hide. But it's also very easy to see how this kind of tool could be used to uh, harass people who haven't committed any crime at all. It's also probably unconstitutional, specifically violating the Fourth Amendment, which protects against unreasonable searches and seizures. Um, the same data can usually be obtained by police via a geofence warrant, uh, but that data is limited to a specific time and place and requires approval from a judge. Ah, so much work. Yeah. Fog reveal, on the other hand, takes away all the those big all the red tape sliced through. Gone. This one's easier. Let's just use this. Uh, here's how it works, according to the AP. Fog's tool is accessed through a web portal. Investigators can enter a crime scene's coordinates into the database, which brings back search results showing a device's Fog ID, which is based on its unique ad ID number. Police can see which device IDs were found near the location of the crime. Detectives or other officers can also search the location for IDs going forward from that time of the crime and back at least 180 days, according to the company's user license agreement. While the data does not directly identify who owns a device, the company often gives law enforcement information it needs to connect it to addresses and other clues that help detectives figure out people's identities according to the company representatives' emails. It is unclear how Fog makes these connections, but a company it refers to as its data partner, called Ventel Incorporated, has access to an even greater trove of mobile user data. Okay, yeah. so... Cool! 
Yeah. Uh, if you've ever been to, I don't know, a protest or anything, like... Could be easy well, to just... Open up that fog reveal. All right. Yeah. Anyone who brought their phone with them, uh, if they were standing in the street, we can just follow them. We can figure out where they live by just going forward. To, where did they sleep that night? Yeah. Figure out where they work by just, you know, going to the next weekday where they might be going into their nine to five. Very cool. But yeah, probably pretty useful for solving crimes. Um, interesting, though, multiple former Fog customers uh, told the AP they chose not to renew their contracts because it didn't actually prove all that useful to them for crime solving. Mm-hmm. Um, what it could really be useful for, though, uh, would be stalking and harassment. It'd be really useful for that, mm-hmm. um, especially because there doesn't seem to be any oversight about how police departments actually use Fog Reveal. So anyone at a police department, maybe the guy in the IT department, maybe, uh, maybe the lunch lady, they could use <laughs> this handy tool along with other tools to, I don't know, like uh, track their ex-wife or husband's movements. Mm-hmm. Or, uh, you know, you met a girl at a bar, she rejected you, but you're like, okay, well, who are these dots all here? And then, again, I can uh, cross-reference this with my uh, facial identification shit that I also sneakily... Things that have then. happened uh, before yeah. without the technology, but are only aided further by it. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, these are all the great new tools for the stalker's arsenal. So yeah, it just seems like something very ripe for abuse. And it's no surprise that the two main guys at Fog Data Science are former officials of the Department of Homeland Security under George W. Bush. We just, like Donald Trump leaving with classified documents, these guys left with this app they were we developing. We learned a lot of really cool shit yeah. working for DHS. They thought this was too extreme. So yeah. we just held on to it. Uh, and yeah, cops don't typically cross the thin blue line to criticize their own work. But the AP quotes a former cop named uh, Davin Hall who actually quit the force over how uncomfortable he was with Fog Reveal. Uh, Here's Gizmodo summing that up. Hall is depicted as a cop with a conscience who fought against his department's use of Fog Reveal, going as far as to voice his concerns to members of the Greensboro City Council. Uh, In one quote, he tells the reporters, the capability that it had for bringing up just anybody in an area, whether they were in public or at home, seemed to me to be a very clear violation of the Fourth Amendment. As we've already mentioned, many legal scholars agree that there is little daylight between police demanding access to data and purchasing it, insofar as actual citizens are concerned. Hall eventually resigned from the force, saying he'd grown angry about being, quote, betrayed and lied to. Hall also points to the fact that one of the sheriff's departments in the area, in rural Rockingham County, has acquired Fog Reveal, adding he's no longer shocked to learn small police agencies are paying for powerful surveillance tools, even if they don't really need them. Quote, anyone with that login information can do as many searches as they want, Hall told the AP. I don't believe the police have earned the trust to use that, and I don't believe it should be legal. And that's why you're not a cop anymore, sir. Uh, yeah, that's... You have uh, disqualified yourself You've crossed that blue line. Yeah. Uh, this is, yeah, it's... Maybe we do a little fog reveal on you, huh? It's, uh, ex- I'm sure that they already have. Yeah. Uh, the, it's just scary, just because down to any deputy could just be like, eh, yeah, ah, I'm just feeling a little like how you get curious on Wikipedia. Uh, they could just be like, ah, I'm going to go down a little rabbit hole here and then do a little stalking while I'm on the job. Yeah. 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 Un- under the guise of like trying to solve a fucking crime. You know, while I'm here. While I'm here, there's a pretty good Snorlax over there. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't want to leave the area without capturing that Snorlax. They should just let cops play Pokemon Go all day. <laughs> You'd probably see just... Things would improve if all these cops were just doing Pokemon Go all day long. Yeah, they they just especially like, the uh, L.A. Sheriff's Department, who is just straight up like doing doing the fascism now. They uh, they arrested their two like civilian oversight people today on uh, 
corruption suspicions, but it's like obviously they're just trying to make these people's lives hell for like actually trying to hold them accountable. Yeah. That, cool, then, cool, cool. Then you know you, uh, they're going to work with Pokemon Go to put uh, Pokemon gyms in like high crime areas, send the cops there, then it's going to be a whole different privacy issue. Yeah. The, the police chief's just working directly with Niantic. They're yeah. Like, all right, move, move the gym There's over a protest here. happening yeah, just put, uh, right next to LACMA. Put all the Can Pokemon you put the, over the there. gym there so our cops <laughs> will go there? Put a couple of those uh, you just, know, bonus balls yeah. or whatever you guys do. Just holding out a treat. Go. Okay, go. Go over there. Yeah. <laughs> it could work in a good way, most likely no. in a bad way. Yeah. yeah. You have to, like, instead of calling 911, you just, like, in- initiate a fight at a gym at yeah. your location. Woo, Holy woo, shit, woo, the woo. response time is incredible. Wow. Hold on, I will help you, but first, there's a fucking Pikachu right over here. Anyways, <laughs> moving on now to uh, some space news. Mm-hmm. NASA just can't seem to catch a break with its little Artemis moon mission. It's already been re- just repeatedly rescheduled at the last minute due to unforeseen launch issues. Mm-hmm. We're, we're just not as good at this space, not as good at this, at this space stuff as we uh, used to be. Now I that guess. the queen will never see it, I think they should scrap the mission. Yeah, who cares? Mm-hmm. You can, anyone can see the moon just with their <laughs> naked eye. Yeah. Uh, but meanwhile, NASA, they're not the only ones studying the moon. Back in 2020, China sent an unmanned mission to the moon to collect samples to bring back to Earth. And they recently revealed that the samples they brought home contained some pretty, like, potentially very important minerals. Uh, here's Vice. China has discovered a crystal from the moon made of a previously unknown mineral, while also confirming that the lunar surface contains a key ingredient for nuclear fusion a potential form of effectively limitless power that harnesses the same forces that fuel the sun and other stars. The crystal is part of a batch of lunar samples collected by China's Chang'e 5 mission, which landed on the moon in 2020, loaded up with about four pounds of rocks, and delivered them to Earth days later. After carefully sifting through the samples, which are the first moon rocks returned to Earth since 1976, scientists at the Beijing Research Institute of Uranium Geology spotted a single crystal particle with a diameter smaller than the width of a human hair. Yeah, so that crystal turned out to be made of a previously unknown mineral, which they have named Changisite Y. Uh, That's the sixth new mineral to be discovered on the moon. But even more exciting is the discovery of helium-3 on the moon, which has the potential to be a nuclear fusion fuel source and has been depicted as such in science fiction for decades. Uh, nuclear fusion is still decades away from being ready to use as like a real power source, but uh, if and when they are ready to go, uh, get ready for a new gold rush in space. This is another and thing. surely that will just be a peaceful thing where everyone on Earth shares the moon. <laughs> we share all the, the helium-5. It's, it's just readily available up there. It's for the taking. It's going to be... Uh... Let's all just share the helium-5. It's like, well, Together. okay, so the sea levels are rising. Why don't we just fuck up the moon bad enough to adjust the pull, the gravitational pull? Yeah. Yeah. I, I just, this was another headline that I saw that was so funny because it's like, ah, China's going to do a lot more research on the moon in the next couple of years. Cool. <laughs> I wonder why. Yeah. I wonder why they're, both us and them are ramping up their uh, uh, activities to a place we haven't visited in 40 years. Huh. There's wow, oil, there's oil up in that moon. Uh, well, we're running out of uh, helium here on Earth for all of the party balloons, so we need to go get some. From the, the people moon. of the moon have roundly called for regime change, and the United States government is ready and willing to take them up on that. I would love nothing more than to see a Humvee filled with troops bouncing around uncontrollably on the moon's surface. Truly something to... The, the next world war will be on the moon. Yeah, just because it's a neutral land. You're just yeah. like, look, 
the Earth is getting really fucked up. If we go to the moon and use it as a battlefield, and then you just we send, need you to, send drones. We need the helium and then the drones five. Just fight. Need the helium five to power our uh, cryptocurrency mining rigs. There's a lot you can do up there on that yeah. moon. Imagine how many fucking bitcoins you can get with a fusion reactor powered uh, PC. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Unlimited bitcoins. I just like the fact that uh, all of uh, the war on Earth could be solved by uh, having robots fight on the moon. And, we, and you could monetize it because people are obviously going to watch. And then you just p- pass the wand of power every time someone else wins. And it's all dictated on Adderall-ridden 19-year-olds who have virtual reality helmets on and fly the drones. I mean, that's the best case scenario you're describing. Let's, let's hope. Well, I think the only uh, candidate that will take on my plan would be Andrew Yang. And sadly, he just hosts Bitcoin conferences in New York now. So he's a little busy. Yeah. Um, anyway, speaking of young gamers... <laughs> Uh, doing unorthodox things. Uh, our most recent episode, we talked about a young little chess champ who's been accused of a very lurid uh, style of... Scandalous. Cheating. Yeah, very yeah. scandalous. Uh, it involves his bunghole. <laughs> and also we talked about the queen and how she's dead. And how people are coping with that. And people are coping just fine. Did you see the the, uh, the king of all cues? The, the line to like see... Five uh, miles. They were like, old people are going to fucking die waiting to see the queen. Also, Go so... Home. So funny that the uh, they they didn't do the live stream of the Nintendo yeah, Direct because the game's called the, the Tears <laughs> of the Kingdom. That's fucking hilarious. Just the worst timing like, possible, oh, that but makes hilarious. Sense. That yeah. does make sense why Welcome they would choose to, not to do that to the new Zelda Tears of the Kingdom. So uh, yeah, check that out, and also um, our recent episode of Weekly Weird News. Yeah, and we'll see you soon for news dump. Bye bye. Bye bye.